Finding out. From a friend. From the cell phone. From a neighbor. From emails left on the computer. From hotel receipts. From a homemade sex video tragically left out in the open. From the bank account. From the dog sitter. From the nanny, especially if it is the nanny. From the spouse. From the lover. From an offhand comment on the playground. From the monthly expenses that don't jibe with anything you did or received or gave. From the cashier at the lumberyard. From some weird supermarket encounter. From your mother, whose antennae have been tuned to this frequency much longer than you realize. From the accumulation of doubt. From walking in on them in the office. From walking in on them in the bedroom. From walking in on them. So many ways to find out. So many ways. Four months before I found out my husband was having an affair, a school in the North Caucasus in Russia was stormed by Chechnyan separatists, and over three days, 1,100 hostages were taken, including 800 schoolchildren. It ended badly, even, I imagine, for those who got away with their lives. The Beslan hostage crisis still pierces my awareness many years later because of the small, stubborn role it played in the unveiling of my husband's last affair. The events were unrelated and on two different sides of the world, but they are conjoined in my memory of them. Details fall into the crevices between life-altering knowledge and your reaction to it. These details take on their own significance by filling up the space between adding buffer and firewall and salt, indeed, to the whole mess of finding out. A friend came over one morning in early January 2005 because she thought it was time to tell me about Bill. My two sons were at elementary school. It had been snowing hard for two days, almost canceling school and a party the previous weekend during which our friends hotly debated the merits of marriage. I recall announcing to the dinner table with stupid conviction, Even if I thought it was the best idea, I would never get a divorce. I have always been a fool in the court of conspicuous declaration. I remember once telling someone in eighth grade that I would never smoke pot, never have sex before marriage, never sneak out of my bedroom window in pursuit of a guy. I was a holy horror of sanctimony. Within five years, I had done all of those things. I wish I had had my wits about me more back then and now. Things happened that I was oblivious to even as they were happening to me or because of me, including the folly of my own behavior. I knew nothing solid about myself as a young woman, right up to and possibly including yesterday. When my friend came through the front door that morning in January, letting herself in without knocking because that is how we operate, I came out of my bedroom and looked down at her from the top of the staircase. She was agitated, out of sorts, as if she were holding herself upright against a heavy blast of wind. This was not hindsight. It was an instant telegraphing of something critical, something disturbing. Are you okay? was my first question. And her reply, pressed into my very veins, It's not me, it's you. Here's where the Chechnyans came into it. I thought she was there to tell me that my son's elementary school had been stormed by insurgents. This was partly ridiculous and partly terror. 
the wild but typical response of an overanxious parent. You are always in reconnaissance mode once your babies are on the ground. My oldest son was born one month after Timothy McVeigh blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City. That horror and its attendant crowd of loss jump-started my mother fear. The worst of the world's events are seared into my psyche more so than before I was a parent, because tragedy echoes through my concern for my sons. That January morning, it took my friends several minutes to calm me down by repeating over and over, it's not the boys, it's not the boys, it's not the boys. Until finally, and no doubt partly out of exasperation, she blurted out, it's Bill, he's having an affair.